Bibles open up to uh, Matthew chapter number, uh, or excuse me, Acts chapter number 20, Acts chapter 20. I think that verse was in there so that you could uh, take time and count your blessings. And so, uh, I don't know, we only had four in our book, and so maybe there's another verse floating around out there. Acts chapter number 20. Last week I started a, a mini-series on the church, and we're going to continue on that theme today. So as you're turning to Acts chapter 20, uh, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 18. He said, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, and as we think about the church, that, that really it is the church uh, that Jesus initiated and started, and, uh, and certainly that's important to us. I said last week, and I'll say it again this week, that uh, some people are opposed to organized religion, and, uh, and some people are, well, I don't want to belong to any church or anything like that. Listen, Jesus was the one who founded the church, and, uh, and Jesus was the one who started the church, and so uh, I believe it's a very important institution. Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 28. The Bible says this. We're going to take one scripture uh, and just kind of look at the idea here of this. And we're going to bounce around as well. But uh, chapter 20 and verse number 28 of Acts, the Bible says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. God, I thank you for uh, the significance and the importance of the local church. God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that the message that, uh, that you've put on my heart, God, would, would come across, God, from your word. God, I pray that you would move and speak to hearts and people as only you can. And God, I'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, uh, there, there's several things that you can, you can get out of this verse. But what I want us to see, at least right here in the beginning, we will reference this verse a little bit more, is at the last part of it, it says, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And so we find that Jesus Christ actually paid the price for the local church. Boy, that's significant. Uh, you say, well, I, I thought he shed his blood so that you and I could be saved. Yes, he did. And that was the sacrifice that he made for our salvation. And we find that God's intention after we're saved is to be involved in a local church. Sometimes people say this. Uh, they say, well, we're, we're doing this for the kingdom. Uh, have you ever heard that? I've heard that before. And sometimes I probably even said it, you know, uh, to be honest with you. But can I tell you this morning that God uh, actually wants us to propagate and teach and promote the local church, not the kingdom. 
He's never said for us to build the kingdom. But he has commanded us to, as we looked at last week, go out uh, and preach the gospel to every creature. And really, he's given the, the local church a commission to reach the entire world. We talked a little bit about that last week, uh, that, that that is the primary purpose of the church. It's three things we mentioned. One was to evangelize the lost. That's certainly important. That ought to be uh, one of the most important things that our church is doing. Why do we run vans out? So that we can reach lost people, so that we can bring them to church, teach them the word of God, they can get saved, and, and we would like to reach their parents and have their parents get saved and see that propagated and see that grow. Uh, why do we do the, some of the things that we do, the outreaches and, and things like that, the new movers letters and, and sending those things out? Why do we do those things? Because we we want to see people get saved. That's the purpose of the church. Evangelize the lost. Educate uh, the saved. Uh, boy, that's why we meet every time we, we open the doors. Uh, you know what we do? We open the Word of God. Oh, yes, we sing. We praise the Lord. We ought to do that. We're commanded. We talked about that last week, that that's a responsibility of the church to praise the Lord. Uh, and we do that. But you know, the majority of our time is dedicated to what? Preaching and teaching the Word of God. I'm not... This is not even in my notes, but... I'm not, we're, we're not going to a 45-minute song service and a 15-minute sermonette. Let me just say that. Uh, we major on preaching and teaching the Word of God. Why is that? Because that's our responsibility. That's what Jesus Christ commissioned the church to do, was to give out the Word of God, to teach people. And so we, we, we strive to edify the believers and to teach them the Word of God. So uh, we... we we evangelize the lost, we edify the believers, uh, and then we exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, we strive to build up and to exalt God in everything that we do. Uh, it's not for my glorification. It's not say, well, look at Pastor Rice. No, L look past me and look to God. And look what God is doing. And look how God is, is using this place. And, and so we strive to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Really, that's a threefold purpose. And we're looking deeper in uh, into the edification of the saints. And, uh, and listen, God bought the church with his blood. Therefore, God cares about the church. And then we notice uh, in, in Matthew uh, 16, 18, uh, that I quoted earlier. Hey, that Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. And, uh, and how does he do that? Well, he uses us, human instruments, uh, so that we can uh, build the church, we can teach, we can outreach, we can do those things. And, and that's important to God. And listen, if the church is that important, that he shed his precious blood for it, and he said that he wanted to build the church, hey, listen, it ought to be important to us. I read this this week on social media. I don't get on social media much. I, I, frankly, I just don't have time for it, to be honest with you. But I, I read this this week, and the things that I, when I do get on social media, mostly it's just a bunch of other preachers just giving little tidbits of information like this. That's what I have on my social media. Uh, but uh, uh, but, but it, it, he said this. He said, um, he, he said, listen, if you attended church, every time the doors were open, we're talking Sunday school, 
Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Our services are about four hours. That's only four hours in one week. Now, think about it this way. How much time do we spend watching TV? A lot of us spend, not, not all of us, and, and I wouldn't say everyone, but hey, some people will watch four hours of television in one day. If you watch one ball game, and ball games are not sin. It's not sin to, to watch a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game. I'm not against those things. I, I, enjoy watching, I enjoy as much as the next guy sitting down and watching a game. But if you watch one game, you know what? You're bound for two to four hours, depending on how long the game lasts. And I'm just trying to contrast how little we think of, uh, of doing that, of, of doing something that we enjoy, and yet it becomes a chore to us. It becomes something that is work to us to be able to invest four hours in church during a week long time. And I'm just contrasting those two things. And, and he pointed out, uh, you say, well, I don't watch TV. I don't watch much TV myself. So what about other things? What about social media? Uh, what about shopping? What about entertainment for our teenager? What about video games? I mean, the point of the matter is we'll spend our time somewhere doing something. And, uh, and really, four hours in one week's time is really not that much time. And I'm just saying, uh, and that's what the preacher was pointing out. Hey, listen, it's not much. He went on and did a bunch more math, but I, I just leave it at a weekly basis for you. Uh, it's a lot easier. Four hours is really not much time uh, to invest in God. Hey, listen, he thought it was so important that he, he shed his blood for the church. And so I just think that's important. As we look at the church this morning, I want us to notice a few things. In our, in our text here in the book of Acts, chapter number 20, uh, we're going to take our text again there in verse number 28. The Bible says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers. What does it say? To feed the church of God. And I want you to notice this this morning, that the church is a place of provisions for spiritual food. It is a place of provisions for spiritual food. And listen, that's important. Uh, he says here, he, he tells us that, hey, we are to feed the flock of God. I finished reading my, my uh, New Testament this morning. I, I was... Um, uh, I went six days over my, my intended target date to read the entire New Testament in 30 days, and, uh, uh, but at least I crossed the finish line, all right? I might not have been first, and I might not have been last, but I did cross the finish line. I thank God for that. Uh, but, uh, uh, but as I was reading, I got through John, because uh, I saved that. I read the Gospels. Anyways, I read John. And, uh, and as I read the end of John uh, chapter 21, I was reminded of the fact that, hey, Peter was out on the boat fishing and Jesus uh, said, hey, cast your nets. And Peter immediately recognized, oh, that's Jesus. And he came to shore. And as he did, uh, Jesus gave Peter some specific instructions. And you remember, he asked him three times, lovest thou me? You know what he told Peter after that? Feed my sheep. He said, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. Listen, we have that same phrase is here in Acts chapter 20 in verse 28, that ye feed uh, the church of God. 
We find in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 2 that Peter reiterated it and he said, Feed the flock of God which is among you. And listen, one of the th things about church and why church is important is the provision of spiritual food. And listen, uh, you gather here, and praise the Lord, we, we've got a good crowd this morning, and I know there's some people sick and some people missing. I'm very aware of that. And, 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 but listen, we gather together, why? To hear from the Word of God. Hey, so that we can eat. Uh, you, ever, you ever hear of a farmer um, that, that would take and, uh, and grab a bale of hay and, and would go out to his fields and would take a handful to every single cow and say, here you go, here's your portion for the day and go to the next cow and here's your portion for the day and go to the next one and, and say, here, here's your portion. I've never heard of that. Well, why don't they do that? You know why they don't do that? It's not very efficient. You know what they do? They grab a, a big old forklift or whatever they do, and man, they throw all the hay out. And you know what happens? Those cows come to that feeding trough, and they eat right there. That's where they eat. He doesn't go to the fields and feed every one of those cows. No shepherd is going to go out and, and, and hand feed every one of his uh, uh, sheep. He's going to have a place where they're all going to come and he's going to lead them to a pasture that says, hey, here is green pasture and you can eat here. Uh, and I'm just saying that God instructed the man of God to teach and preach the word of God. And listen, that is the feeding of the flock of God. Let me just say this this morning, that, uh, that listen, if you're tuning in online for your church services, how's that virtual food? You ever go to a restaurant and eat virtual food? Neither have I. And I'm not looking forward to the day that they figure out how to do that. I want to actually be there and eat the food. And listen, I'm not opposed to live streaming. We live stream our services. What is the purpose of live streaming? Can I tell you what the purpose of live streaming is? It's for those who legitimately cannot get out. Those who cannot, if you can't go to Walmart and go shopping, that's what live stream. Now, if you're sitting home and you can go to Walmart and go to all these other places, then bless God, you can come to church. But it's for those who are sick and those who are not able to get out so that they can have at least something from the Word of God and hear some preaching. And there's some people who legitimately cannot get out. And that's why we do those things, to help give them an opportunity to hear the Word of God and the preaching and teaching. But listen, we gather together. Why? Because that's what the meaning of a church is. It is a called out assembly that would gather together. I was talking to somebody this week, uh, maybe it was last week, and, uh, and, and we were discussing live streaming, and, and I said, well, we have live streaming, but uh, my, my intent and goal with live streaming is not that everyone would stay home and tune into church online. My goal is just to help those who physically cannot come out. I, I said, really? I said, if, if the goal was to have people just digitally meet, I, I said, man, uh, how would they like it if their pastor just digitally projected, I stayed home today? And from my living room, I just Skyped in, told the guys, you know, put it up on the big screen. They can watch their pastor today. And that might be okay once or twice. But after a while, you'd be like, man, I, I, need, I needed to give him a prayer request. I needed to talk to him. 
I, I needed to see him. I needed to shake his hand. And, and I'm just saying that digital is not the same. And listen, we have got to assemble together and gather together. That's what a farmer does when he goes out and feeds the flock. Hey, listen, God has instructed the man of God to feed the flock of God. And that's our responsibility. And coming to church, hey, gives you that opportunity uh, to receive the word of God. So we have gathering together. I want you to notice the Bible says this. You can turn with me if you're uh, quick to 1 Peter chapter number 2. It's after uh, Hebrews and James. And then you'll get to 1 Peter chapter number 2. And verse number 2. And Peter's giving some instruction in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2. And I want you to notice this as we think about the provisions being given out. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 2.2. 2, We'll read verse number one since I'm there with context. It says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. And he says in verse number two, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Listen, the word of God being preached and taught helps us to grow in our life spiritually. And listen, it is our spiritual food. Uh, I've commented before, and I'll comment uh, again, how much I need preaching of the Word of God. Uh, listen, I'm a preacher, but you know what? It's just as important for me to set under preaching. It's just as important for me to, uh, to get together with, with other people and, and hear the preaching of the Word of God. Why? Because I need it just as much. Hey, we've got a, uh, it helps us to grow. Uh, listen, we of course advocate reading your Bible. You ought to be reading your Bible throughout the week. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and church is not a replacement for reading your Bible throughout the week. But can I say this as well? Reading your Bible throughout the week is not a replacement for church either. They go hand in hand. And listen, reading your Bible is wonderful. It, it, it helps you. Uh, there's so many things that you learn through reading the Word of God and just uh, privately going through and, and learning from the Word of God. But listen, whenever, every time I've sat under somebody that was preaching or teaching the Word of God, you know what? They've pointed something out that I didn't think of. And what I'm saying is, hey, when it doesn't matter who's preaching and teaching, as long as they're preaching and teaching the Word of God, the King James Bible, and, and, and teaching the right doctrine, hey, it doesn't matter who the personality is. If they're preaching and teaching truth, you know what? God's going to use that in your life. And it's going to help you. We gather together because it's a place of provisions of spiritual work of spiritual food. The word of God, the, the house of God, the church is a place of provision. I want you to notice this as well. Back in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And I want you to notice this as well. Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 7. The Bible says this. It's a different passage. It's in the same chapter, but a different passage. And it says in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. 
Don't worry, I'm not thinking of preaching on long-windedness this morning. But I want you to notice this. There was preaching in the Word of God. Let me, let me separate these two uh, just for a moment by doing this. Let's look at this and let's define a couple of things as we look at this verse. The Bible says, upon the first day of the week, that would be Sunday. Uh, look who was gathered there. Uh, when the disciples came together. Uh, disciple, I would define that as a follower of Christ. Uh, and of course, that's what these were, people who were following the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, and then he says, he preached unto them. And preach means to proclaim or publish tidings, specifically to proclaim the gospel, to discourse publicly on a religious subject or from a text of scripture to deliver a sermon. Now listen, provision of spiritual food is one thing, and it's a necessary element, but preaching is yet another thing as well. Uh, they're, they're, they're similar, there's a lot of similarities between the two, but, uh, but preaching uh, is to push somebody to make a decision in their life, such as present the gospel. Well, when you present the gospel, you're not just saying, well, I just wanted to give you the gospel so that you just would know the gospel. No, I'm giving you the gospel because I want you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation. And I would love for you to make that decision today. That's a, that's a, a pushing to a decision in an element that's preaching. Uh, even if even if it's not stomping and snorting and and kicking things over and jumping on things, uh, it's it's pushing somebody to a point of decision in their life. And listen, we find in the Bible that there is preaching. And listen, preaching. Uh, I talked about this last week. Promotes purity in our lives. It ought to promote purity. Uh, listen, uh, we strive at our church to maintain a high moral standard in alignment with the Word of God. We're not just saying, well, do this because the world's going that way, we're going to go this way. No, we uphold the Word of God and say, listen, this is why we ought to live this way because the Word of God instructs us to be different from the world. Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 2, it says, and be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and listen, how's that happen? It happens by the preaching of the Word of God. It happens by uh, the preacher getting up and preaching on this and preaching on that. And, and all of a sudden uh, in our life, we're saying, we, we, our little heart goes thump, 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 thump. I don't like that. That bothers me. Why is it bothering me? Because, because it goes against what I think. And we find the word of God reprimands, it rebukes us, it, it, it tells us, hey, you're not right in this area, you need to get it right. And listen, much of preaching, that's what it does. And the Bible says that in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, Paul is, is instructing young Timothy in the faith, and he says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And so sometimes preaching is different from providing food, and sometimes just in, in preaching, uh, sometimes there will be provision of food. And you'll say, well, I never thought of that. I never looked at that verse that way. 
And I'm just saying that the preaching of the Word of God ought to be, the house of God ought to be a place of provision of spiritual food, but it also ought to be a place of preaching of the Word of God that would, would convict our hearts and show us where we're wrong. You know, the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked. And, and really, uh, in our life, you know what? We will live our life, and, and you go back to the book of Judges. And, and when you read the book of Judges, you know what it says? And every man did that which is right in his own eyes. If we are left to ourselves, even with the word of God, we'll still go astray. Because we will overlook stuff, we will miss stuff, and we will say, well, you know, I'm just going to live my life this way. And there's, there's, uh, there's not somebody else to intercede and say, hey, wait a minute, you're not right in that area. And that needs fixed, and you need to work on that. That's where preaching is. That's why Paul instructed Timothy to rebuke, exhort, uh, to repuve, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering. And sometimes you need somebody else to check your life and to reprove and rebuke and exhort uh, with all long suffering. Not, not, not as a, a lord over God's flock, as Peter says, not as somebody that's just trying to uh, bash people on the head and say, you're not doing right, but out of a heart of love and compassion that says, hey, I want what's best for your life, and I'm interested that your life would go well, and I want that you would serve God, and, and listen, when we stand before God, I, I want to be able to say, God, I've done the best that I can for your honor and for your glory. Listen, I want that for everyone, and preaching will reprove our life. It pushes for a decision. It pushes us to, to live right and do right and obey the Word of God. As we think about it, the church, it is a place of provision spiritually. There's no doubt about it. It is a place of preaching. There's no doubt about it. And listen, uh, we ought to thank God for that. We ought, to, we ought to come ready to receive the Word of God. I want you to notice this. Go, go with me to Acts chapter number 2 as well. Acts chapter number 2, not only is it a place of provision spiritually, uh, it is a place of preaching that, uh, that would uh, hopefully change our lives. But Acts chapter number 2, I want you to notice this as well. He says in Acts chapter number 2 in verse number 42, talking about the church, go to verse number 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. He's talking about the church there. In verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Not only is it a place of provisions spiritually, not only is it a place of preaching where the word of God is taught and preached, but also it ought to be known as a place of prayer. The word of God or the house of God. The disciples in that day, listen, they got together and, and, uh, and they, uh, they prayed. Uh, boy, you read through the book of Acts 
and uh, and it's amazing uh, because the, they they pray and they pray and they pray and the word of God works and moves on 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 the disciples and on the church in that early day and and I know that it's a transitional book and I I'm aware that that God was doing things specifically in that time that maybe He doesn't do today but I'm just saying this there is the element of prayer of them getting together that reoccurs all throughout the book of Acts. You find a church ought to be a place of prayer. Now, just like reading the Word of God, I, I believe you ought to pray at home. If the only time you pray is at church, God help us. Boy, we need a lot more prayer than that. And you ought to pray at home. You ought to be uh, praying during the week. You ought to spend time in prayer uh, on a regular basis. You ought to spend time with God. Uh, but listen, the church house can be a place of prayer and ought to be a place of prayer. Not only that, but listen, just learning to pray. You remember the disciples were with, uh, with Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, people don't just know how to pray. I grew up in church my whole life, so I, I, I grew up hearing prayers uh, from the nursery, I'm sure, all the way up. And, and I, I, sometimes I don't realize, but, but I've run into people and, and I've talked to people who are, are just getting saved and, and, and I've taught people and, and I realize, you know, praying is something that you really learn to do. That's what Jesus, or the disciples were asking Jesus, teach us to pray. And listen, getting together with others and hearing them pray and hearing prayer in, in the pulpit and prayer in our prayer meetings that we have on Wednesday nights and, and spending time in prayer. Hey, listen, it helps us understand how to pray because really it's something that you learn. And talking with God and communicating with God, I believe that's part of the responsibility of the church because God said in Matthew 20, 28, or 28, 20, uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Hey, listen, they're not teaching, last time I checked, they're not teaching prayers in school. So where else are you going to learn it? And listen, I believe fathers ought to instruct their children in praying. I'm not saying that they should not, but I'm saying when somebody gets saved and they don't know anything, when a dad gets saved and they don't know anything about church and about God, hey, listen, the, the house of God, the church, is a place that they ought to learn how to pray. It ought to be known as a place of prayer. It ought to be known as an example of prayer. Uh, listen, not only that, but I want you to know that, uh, that learn, besides learning to pray in church, prayer is an act of unity. Go to, with me to Acts chapter number 12 and verse number 5. Peter was thrown in prison. I love this passage. I believe it's probably one of the most, one of the most humorous passages. There's several passages in Scripture that are humorous, but this is one of them. In Acts chapter 12, Peter is in prison, and, uh, and the church had gotten together, and they were spending time in prayer, saying, Lord, uh, release Peter and, and, uh, and, and let him be free. And notice there with me in verse number 5, the Bible says this, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Listen, they were praying together. They were meeting together. 
oh, maybe not the whole church, but there were people who were getting together and, and together they were praying that Peter would, would be fine and that he would be released from jail. And, and I'll go ahead and tell you the funny portion so that you're not searching for it. But uh, as they're praying, uh, the Lord opens up the doors and lets Peter walk out of jail. And that's almost funny, too, because Peter thinks it's a dream until he walks out and the cold air hits him and he says, I really am awake. I'm out of jail. And he goes to the house where uh, several from the church are meeting there and they're praying and, and he knocks on the door and, and, and Rhoda comes to the door and, and, and in Bible times, many times in Peru, it was like that. You'd have a, a door to the house and then an outer wall that would go all the way around your house. You couldn't see who was out there and sometimes there'd be a, a fence that you could see through or whatnot. But uh, she goes out to the, the door and she opens the door and she sees Peter standing at the outer fence and she's like, Peter, and she shuts the door and runs back into the rest of the people and says, hey, listen, Peter's standing at the door. And they're like, why didn't you open the door? Go let him in. And Rhoda goes back and she opens the door and goes out to the gate and opens the gate and brings Peter in. And, and I just think it's funny because, you know, she was beside herself. She didn't uh, quite know. She didn't expect to see Peter standing at the door uh, in the middle of the night as they were praying for him. But what I'm saying is, hey, listen, the church gets together and it prays. And a church ought to be known as a place of prayer. You know what happens when people get together and they pray? It unifies them. I'll never forget a message. I heard it many years ago. A preacher, a well-known preacher and here in Ohio in the southern part, and, and uh, his entire church was praying for a little boy that, that had, I don't know, some disease, some, some deadly disease. And they prayed and they prayed, and I forget the length of time, I forget some of the details of the story, but it was for a great length of time, maybe a year, maybe two years, that they prayed. The whole church was praying for this little boy, and the little boy died. And the pastor had to get up and preach the church. Now, they had been, I mean, not just, I mean, they had been fasting and praying this was an issue in the church that they had seriously gone to God for. The pastor got up and he preached. And he said, we're not, we're not worse off for having prayed for this little boy. Oh, the boy, he's in heaven. Things are better for him. But as a church, this has unified our church and caused us to work together for the good of one person. And, and we ought not be sad because our prayers were not answered because ultimately the little boy was much better, but we ought to be very happy and grateful because our church was really brought together in the bounds of prayer. And listen, sometimes when things don't go our way or 
listen, we, we, we pray. Sometimes we're drawn to our knees and just knowing that there's somebody else out there praying or maybe somebody comes along and puts their arm around you and prays with you at that moment and somebody in the church and we lift up these prayer requests. We go over them on Wednesday night. They're in our bulletin and we strive to keep them before the people. Listen, we don't just put them out there so that you can have them on a paper, but rather so that you can take them home and you can pray and you can pray one for another. Why? Because prayer unifies the church and brings it together. This, these people that were praying, I could just imagine them the next day. Man, I, I was at that prayer meeting when Peter showed up. We were praying that he would, that he would get out of jail. And maybe some of them even were rebuked and say, man, I, I was praying, but I, I didn't know, really know that I believed it. But God really did answer their prayer. And God uses prayer, and the church is a place of prayer. I want you to notice this. Not only is it a place of provision spiritually, not only is it a place of preaching, not only is it a place of prayer, but I want you to notice this as well, that it is a place of the presence of God. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But I want to point this out, and I've preached on this in the past. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where there are two or three gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Listen, the church is not a business. We run our, we run our business and we try to be responsible as a business. But ultimately, the church is not a business. The church is not a social club. We don't get together and, and, and have fellow, we have fellowships. I enjoy fellowship. I enjoy getting to see you and, and, and speak with you and, and, and getting to know you. And, and I enjoy that. But the church ultimately is not a social club. The church is a spiritual institution started by God. And when we gather together and we sing the songs that, that praise God and we preach the word of God, hey, listen, Jesus Christ himself has promised that where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he will be in the midst. And we ought to be known as a place of God's presence here on earth that, hey, when we come together, hey, listen, it is sweet fellowship and it is a sweet Sweet time. Why? Well, not because Pastor Rice, not because Brother So-and-so, not because this person or that person, but rather it ought to be known that it is Jesus Christ that is in our midst and in our presence that makes it so sweet because he's here. Listen, you don't get that anywhere else. You don't get that at Walmart. You don't get that at Bob Evans. You don't get that at the bank. You don't get that anywhere else but in the church house where people are gathered in God's name for his honor, for his glory, to live out his purpose. As we look at the church, these are some things that the church does. And my point in all of this is that you and I need the church. We need the church. I talked about last week, you can't, 
You can't reach missionaries out in, in, in Togo, West Africa without the church. Oh, you might be able to, but how about all the places that I named last, last, uh, last week and in and, and South Korea and all our missionaries that, that we're doing? That's collective. That's something that we do together, praying. That's something, yes, we ought to do it individually, but that's something that we do together, gathering together for, for provisions of spiritual food. Listen, there's, I love when my family gets together and has a meal together. Much of my family's, you know, not gone, but, but you know, at college and here and there. And, and, uh, and, and so we don't do it uh, like as often. But at Sundays, usually we, my family comes over to the house and, man, I love, you know what? There is conversation and this and that. And, and, and I enjoy that. Why? Because it's fellowship. It's time together. Hey, listen, when we get together with other Christians, it ought to be like that, that we have that fellowship and that unity and that bond that is there we ought to thank God for that time. I'm just saying that the church is a place of provisions. It's a place of preaching. It's a place of, of, of prayer. It's a place of, of God's presence with us. We need the church. We need God's presence. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, somebody said this, that I read this week, you cannot be right with God and not be right with a church. I believe that. You cannot be right with God and not be right with a church. You have to be part of the church. He, he shed his blood for the church. He bought the church. He paid for the church. He's building the church. I think the church is important to God. The question is, how important is it to us? Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, we need the church. God, we need the, the provision spiritually. We need the preaching. We need the uh, the, the prayer. God, we need your presence in the church. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. I pray that you would help us as we think about what the church does and our involvement with the church. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and we have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. The church is important. It's important to God. It ought to be important to us. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I'm not a member of the church, but I'd like to be. Listen, talk to me. We'd be happy to add you as a member of the church. Maybe you say, well, I'm not baptized and I need to be baptized. Hey, we'll, we'll be happy to baptize you. Maybe you say, well, I'm, I'm not saved and I need to be saved. Hey, we'll, we'll be more than happy to take the word of God and show you how you can know for sure 
where you'll spend eternity, the most important decision you'll ever face in your life. The fact of the matter is we need the church. We need the spiritual provision. We need the preaching. We need the prayer. We need the presence of God. As the piano plays, whatever the need, the altar is open. You, of course, can pray there in your seat as well.